0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Manly Musings for the Survival Show podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host today, Craig Cottle. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to be discussing a topic that's pretty near and dear to me as it relates to outdoors and that is self-defense. So thanks for joining me. Pull up a chair, pull up a rock next to the campfire here and join me. Let's have a chat. One of the things that we do here at the Survival Show podcast is we do what we can to implement into what it is that we're doing, anything that you offer as, as it relates to feedback. We're listening to you just as much as we're listening to our, as you're listening to us. If you send us feedback either on Anchor or through an email or through a message or whatever it might be, if, and again, if we can implement it, then we're going to go about doing it. And that's why this topic has come about. In the last couple of weeks, I've had more than one person ask me to do a discussion on self-defense as it relates to the outdoors. And to be quite frank with you, I thought I had already done this. And as I got to looking for a podcast in which I discussed self-defense, I discovered that I don't guess I have. And I apologize for that. This is one of those topics that I have a fair amount of experience in. And I'm happy to share some thoughts for you. The reason uh, a lot of this came up, and this is when I thought I did this last year, maybe I wrote a blog piece or a magazine article. And as I've told a few people, uh, I create a lot of content for magazines and blog sites and podcasts and 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 guests on podcasts. I was interviewed for the news this past week, and quite frankly, to me, it starts running together on where I put this information and that information and what have you. So maybe that's the issue. I don't know, but. Last year, there was an incident on the Appalachian Trail where a couple of people were attacked by a person on the trail who was wielding a basically a machete, a real long knife. And so there's been some concern about that. Here's how we're going to break this subject down. I want you to understand why this is important. Statistically, being physically aggressed in the outdoors is not a common thing. Statistically, it's just not common. It's very rare, actually. However, it happens, and it happens at a rate that would surprise people, especially along the Appalachian Trail because it's such a real well-known avenue that people travel. There's a lot of people on it, and there's a lot of people on it that are tired as well as probably not carrying some sort of weapon for defense, and so opportunistic predators will utilize that as uh, as a spot where they'll go after people. Again, this is not a real common thing. I'm not into scare tactics. I'm not an alarmist kind of guy, as you well know. But let's say that something like this does happen. Let's let's talk about some things. Okay, first off, we're going to talk about human predation, and then in, uh, the, it might very well be that we break this into two. I'd prefer to keep this as one podcast, and we'll see where it takes us. But let's talk about human predators, and let's talk about wild animal predators. Let's look at both. And and again, maybe we'll split this into two. Human predators are those that are going to come after you for different reasons. Uh, There's three primary reasons that humans bring physical assault on other humans. One would be ego-based assault. The second one would be predator-based assault. And the third would be what I term assassination. Let's go ahead and just put assassination out of the way. If somebody wants to assassinate you, if someone has been tasked, whether an outlying entity has tasked them or they themselves have deemed them a person who wants to assassinate another person, there's nothing you can do about it. Typically, an assassination is the type of thing that's going to happen where someone spends a great deal of time looking at you, watching you, and, and... they spend so much time, they develop a rhythm for what it is that you're doing, and they utilize that information to to kill you. There's really not a lot you can do about that. So let's consider ego-based and predator-based assault. Ego-based is the type of assault where you get into some sort of argument that ends up leading to physical confrontation. Let's, let's knock this one out of the head. Let's, let, let's knock this one in the head right now. Ego-based assault can be fixed by not having ego. If you feel that you must put your ego over and above your physical well-being, then you're probably going to get in a physical assault. The easiest way to describe this is road rage. If you're getting in some sort of confrontation behind the wheel of a car because somebody's driving past you and pulled into your spot or vice versa, and you allow that to overtake your your mindset, then that's ego. Ego. No, don't allow that to happen. Okay, can fix that. As far as the outdoors are concerned, this can happen where, you know, I can see this happening. I've had people discuss this topic here in Kentucky, for example. We have a trail system, and many of these trails, mountain bikers can be on, uh, horse riders can be on, and backpackers can be on. And each one of those groups feels as if they have – the most right to be there, and they're going to do it their way, and anybody else is not appropriately using a trail. They just don't understand it. That's ego. Okay, That is ego. You've got to understand, particularly as it relates to public lands, that they are public lands. They are not owned by you. Yes, you're a taxpayer, and you own them to a degree, but so does the other person that's paying taxes as well. So they have as much right to be there as anybody else. Now, if you're a backpacker and you don't like the fact that horse riders tear up the trail or um, mountain bikers go too fast and are not paying attention, those may be warranted concerns, but you've got to remember that those concerns are not the concerns that the mountain biker has or the horse rider has. And again, they pay their taxes just like you, so they have a right to be there. Figure out a way to effectively communicate with people like that. Don't let ego-based assault get you in a physical confrontation. Allow the ego, when it starts out as a conversation, when it starts out as an argument, figure out a way to get away from it. You know, I'm a big fan of avoidance and awareness strategies when it comes to self-defense. Predator-based assault is much like the situation that we described earlier where there was a guy that had a large knife. Some people called it a machete, but when I looked in the news, it was pretty much a a really big knife. And he was attacking people. He attacked at least two people on the Appalachian Trail. And now that's a predator-based assault, meaning this person, actually, when you look in the news, he went to the trail for the purpose of bringing harm to others. He was mentally uh, unstable. And because of his instability in the mind, he had gotten in verbal confrontations with people. And here's where ego did come into play. And this is this is very interesting to note. I'm not blaming anybody, but you've you've got to we, we've got to consider this. When you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, I've never hiked the Appalachian Trail. I've never stepped foot on it. Uh, I've got at least three friends, two friends that have hiked it all the way through, one through hiked it, one section hiked it. And I've got another one that's hiking it right now. And and when I say that, I've chatted with him many times about topics like this as it relates to safety and avoidance and awareness strategies. This mentally unstable person that was on the trail, people had gotten in arguments and discussions and even gotten physical with him prior to the events where he harmed people. And what happened was the people on the trail did not want to give up on missing their scheduled hikes. They knew if they took the information to the police, they'd probably have to go to court or they'd have to miss part of their hike. And so they bypassed what it was. They bypassed public safety, basically, in an effort for them to continue their hike. And again, I'm not saying that they're responsible at all. The guy that had the knife is the one that's responsible. But at least... I think it's worthy of our consideration to think about our own situation as far as a hiker and the public safety of those that are around us. Typically, that's something that we have in mind where we're publicly minded. But in this particular case, some people set their own single individual goals up as the most important thing and just put public safety to the back and just didn't. And again, I don't want to pretend at all. I don't want anybody to misunderstand my comments. It's worthy of consideration. These people are the people that did that are not responsible. The guy that had the knife is the one that's responsible. Straight up, he's the he's the idiot in the bunch. But I think it's worthy of our consideration. Now, predator-based assault can typically typically be avoided with good awareness, good situational awareness. Pay attention to those that are around you. Pay attention when somebody. Is coming towards you and not ignoring them. Okay, I teach a lot of uh, active aggressor uh, situational awareness, basically pre-event indicators for any number of different organizations, electric cooperatives. I've done a lot of churches, uh, just just a whole lot of different groups that we've taught situational awareness to as it relates to active aggressors, whether it be active shooter or active knife wielder or what have you. One of the things that we can do is... Pay attention and read people as best we can and not ignore them. As I say when I'm teaching church groups, being a good security person, uh, paying attention to active aggressors or possible active aggressors is just doing good church. You shake hands, you look people in the eye, you pay attention to them, you ask them questions and talk to them. When these sort of things happen, are people evasive? Are they trying to avoid you? You know, people come to church obviously for different reasons, but. Uh, typically, people don't come to church to avoid other people. And so if somebody's obviously doing everything in their power to avoid somebody who wants to shake their hand and be nice to them, then that's a red flag. Same thing is true on the trail. A typical person in the outdoors is friendly. You know, the vast majority of people that are in the outdoors are friendly people they're there for the same reasons you are. They like the outdoors. They love the outdoors or they like to hike. They like to look at trees or soil or wildlife or whatever it might be. They have a reason to be there just like you do. And typically you can say that people in that environment are like-minded as it relates to, again, being in the outdoors. So why would you avoid purposely and be upset? If you see a person that's doing something like that, then again, as it relates to your safety, then that's something to be aware of and pay attention to. At that point, as far as safety and self defense is concerned, you need to take in consideration the distance between you and any other person and the relationship in, in the spatial relationship between you and them. It's pretty hard, unless somebody has a weapon, to bring harm to you at a distance outside of arm's reach. So if somebody's coming to you and coming into your area and they're getting within arm's reach, then that's a problem for me. I'm going to do everything I can to keep that person outside of arm's reach. What happens is, and there's a whole lot to this, is whether you can be reactive quick enough to somebody that's trying to bring harm to you. And so... The thought is is that if somebody's farther away from you, your mind has more time to process that you're being attacked and you can do something about it. Now, so let's let's consider that too as it relates to human predators. Let's think about the five weapons that we carry with us at all times. I call it the hand the five weapons that, you know, we take with you no matter where you are, whether you're at the grocery store, you're laying in your bed asleep. You are walking down the aisle at church, whether you're walking down the Appalachian Trail or the shelter we trace. It does not matter to me. You carry five weapons with you at all times. It's your head, your hands, your elbows, your knees, and your feet. The other thing that is equally true for humans is that humans have five vulnerable areas of their body. doesn't matter who they are, how big they are, how strong they are. It doesn't matter if they deadlifted 556 pounds yesterday. It does not matter. Humans have the same vulnerable areas. All humans have. And those five vulnerable areas are the face, the throat, the groin, the knees, and the feet. So it does not matter how big of an ogre, how strong, how aggressive somebody is. Those five areas of the human body are vulnerable. And the way I teach self-defense, and and I tell people when I'm teaching self-defense, we can do this, uh, I can teach self-defense in about five minutes, and what you need to know for self-defense in five minutes. Now, you practicing it and getting good at it is a whole other animal, right? But basically, self-defense boils down to this. You take one of those five weapons, your head, your hands, your elbows, your knees, and your feet, and you strike the face, the throat, the groin, the knees, or the feet with three things, speed, surprise, and violence of action. What I mean by that, those three things, surprise, speed, and violence of action is that if somebody is aggressing you or getting into your space and you've told them to back up and they're still coming into your space, when you decide to flip the switch to defend yourself, it doesn't need to be some sort of one punch knockout kind of mindset. It needs to be a 20 strikes to the face, throat, groin, knees, or feet. Whether you're striking with your knees or your elbows, your hands, you need to give them surprise, speed, and violence of action. That's all there is to it. Now, you applying that and learning how to more effectively apply your hands, elbows, knees, and feet, for example, is worthy of your time. Join a martial arts facility. uh, Do some MMA. Do some grappling. Do something. Just do something where you get out and you learn some fundamentals of defending yourself against human predation, another human that's trying to bring harm to you. Now, as it relates to this particular instance on the Appalachian Trail, what happened there was the uh, person had a knife, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that if somebody has a knife and they're going to try to cut you and you stand there in front of them, in the manner that they do in the movies and they block it and then they take the knife and they flip the wrist and all this stuff, then you're going to get cut to shreds. Let me just tell you. Okay. I've been doing this sort of thing for over well over two decades now. And if somebody has an edge weapon and you don't have a superior tool to defend yourself, you're going to get cut if you just stand there. It's just going to happen. I'm not saying that you give up. I'm not saying that at all. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I am saying is in this particular case, the best solution is to avoid that person altogether. Create distance. Use another superior tool against him, whether that's a longer stick where you can beat the crap out of his head and his arm and break his arm and get make him drop the knife, or you have a gun you have a firearm where you can bring, again, surprise, speed, and violence in action. Imagine somebody's coming, across, coming down the trail, and they're wielding a the machete. And you pull your firearm, because you can tell by reading their body language, this guy's coming to me. That guy has a choice at that point. He can either drop that weapon and back away, or if he continues to move, and you're telling him, stay away from me, get away from me, you're scaring me, get away, then then at that point he's still coming, then he's going to cut you. He's going to kill you. You're going to make an attempt to kill you, and you should make a decision with ample training, again, ample training to defend yourself as best you can. Just do what you can, okay? So, again, tools are great equalizers, whether that tool is another knife or a stick or a firearm or what have you. They are incredibly good equalizers, The reason I bring that up is that it's 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 foolish. It's foolhardy. It's completely stupid. I'll just be really frank. To again have somebody that's got a knife and you walk up to them and you don't have any tools whatsoever and think that you're gonna just take the machete away from somebody or the knife away from somebody. It's not gonna happen. You're gonna get cut. Now, with that stated, um, I like this mindset of being able to get away whenever you can, avoidance, obviously, awareness so that you can see things coming before they happen. But let's say now you're thrust in a position where, man, the fight is right in front of me. It's within arm's reach, and he or she's got a knife or they've got a weapon, and I've got to defend myself. Okay, let's consider some things. Your body is incredibly vulnerable to, let's say, a knife attack in this case. If you get cut on the neck where your carotid arteries are, underneath the inside of your arm or near the armpit that's where your brachial arteries are or on the inside of the leg just below your groin area that's where the femoral arteries are if you get excuse me if you get cut in those areas you're going to bleed to death in less than 2 minutes so if somebody doesn't know how to do advanced medical trauma training which I highly recommend for everybody then you're going to be dead so you've got to do everything you can to protect that If somebody is in a situation where they've gotten close to you, first thing I'm going to do is get my arms up. When I say get my arms up, I'm going to get my arms out with the back of, listen to me closely as I describe this, with the back of my hands out away from my body. I don't want to hold my palms up. On the underside of the arm is where there's a tremendous amount of even smaller arteries and what have you. But when you set yourself up or you've got your arms up near your head, When I say you're up your head, your hands are near your ears. Think about it that way. And you have your palms towards your ears. Then if somebody, for example, is wielding a machete and they strike it near your head, then they're going to hit your arm. And when they hit your arm in that particular position, there's going to be a huge bone structure there, your radial and ulnar bones that are there that are going to stop the cut. They're going to stop the knife from going all the way through and cutting you Cutting you in the neck. It would have to be a, an incredibly superior and very well-honed knife to be able to do something like that, okay? So the reason I bring that up is that by bringing your hands up in that way and keeping your elbows tight to your body, you're covering the very vulnerable carotid arteries and you're also covering the very vulnerable brachial arteries. You don't want to hold your arms up and away from you with your palms out because at that point you're exposing your carotid arteries and you're also exposing your brachial arteries. Same thing is true if you get knocked down. Somebody's going to bring harm to you. I I like to say, and it's an old Uh, grapplers mindset. Uh, You'll hear a lot of BJJ, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys talk about this. I talked about it all the time in judo. Knees to elbows, elbows to knees. So if you fall down, you want to bring your arms in the same position I was just describing and also bring your knees up. You don't want your legs laying down on the ground and have somebody over top of you. What this does is having knees to elbows, elbows to knees, is, and what I mean by that is literally when you get in that position, it's almost like a fetal position where you're bringing your elbows very close to your knees. You're protecting your carotid arteries. You're protecting your brachial arteries. You're also protecting your femoral arteries and, and you're protecting your heart, your abdomen, and the vulnerable area of your core. That's all very important. Somebody stabs you in the heart, you're going to die. Okay, so bringing your arms with your elbows close to your core is going to be a really good defense. Now, here's the other part: when you get, you don't want to lay there. You don't want to just lay there and just be a victim. Okay, never have a victim mindset when somebody's aggressing you. You want to have the mindset that you're. As one of my instructors likes to say, and I love hearing him say this: Rob Cabrera, uh, Filipino combat systems instructor. Uh, he's like, you got to get on your bike. You want to get on your bike. You want to get going and get away if you can. And if you can't get away, you don't want to lay there and just let somebody slash you to death. You want to get up and offer them a, hel- a healthy dose of surprise, speed, and violence of action, meaning take those elbows to their face or throat. If you're in a position where you're on one knee and they're standing over top of you, then elbow their groin, take their knee out of joint, stomp on their feet, do whatever it is that you can do to find yourself offering surprise, speed, and violence of action as it relates to that person's vulnerable areas of their body, face, throat, groin, knees, and feet. I hope you see how simple that is as far as an aggressive uh, methodology. If somebody's bringing aggressiveness to you, you want to be able to defend yourself, but defending yourself does not does not mean at all that you just sit there and take it. That's not what defending means. You might have to defend yourself somewhat, but that also means that you uh, need to be offering surprise, speed, and violence of action. All right? So that hits us right there at that 23 mark. I think it is a good stopping point. Let's come back in part two And let's discuss uh, animal predation as it relates to different animals and how you can uh, set yourself up for success in regards to a few different animals. Also, I think it's worthy of of our time together to discuss things such as a secure camp, how to set yourself up for success so that you don't find yourself in a position where, hey, I can't defend myself, I'm inside my tent or I'm inside my hammock or some variation of it. So we'll we'll talk about that when we come back in part two. Really appreciate you joining me here for part one as it relates to self-defense and the outdoors. Hey, I've I've got to throw this in there. I haven't said anything like this in a long time. You've got to do this for us, you all. Go to wherever you listen to us, iTunes, Spotify. Give us five stars. Give us a great review if you like the content that we're providing you. We just simply cannot do it without those types of uh, free assistance. And always support our sponsors. You'll see links in the description for our sponsors. Please consider the Tiny Survival Guide and Tiny Survival Gear and all that goes along with it. Sportsman's Guide is still hanging in there with us, so we thank them. Uh, give them a, a consideration for your next gear choices. And uh, all, those stu- all those things, all that kind of stuff is the, the grease to the wheels that keeps us doing what we're doing. So we really appreciate all of you that have done that. Uh, Share us on social media if you like a particular podcast and share it on Facebook. Uh, If you have Spotify, it is incredibly easy to just uh, look at the dot 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 that you'll see on any particular podcast. Click that and you'll see an opportunity to send it in a message. You can text it to people, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram even. There's all sorts of things that you can do. So please consider doing that and we really greatly appreciate it because it's survival show podcast to do what we need to do. Uh, we need that support and we thank you for it. As always with a survival show podcast, this has been Craig Cottle for mainly musings part one, come back for part two. We'll talk about animals and setting up tents and hammocks and all that good stuff. Keep it simple, be positive and stay sharp.